Hello and welcome to a new episode of the CTO show with Mehmet. Today I'm doing something new for my listeners. So you're going <laughs> to see me. Uh, I would also put this on YouTube. I have a guest today, Greg Schaefer. He is a cybersecurity expert based out of Tennessee in the United States. And we've met with Greg uh, over a platform and I've seen his experience. So I thought, why not to get the experience of Greg for us here in Dubai and in the Middle East? So Greg, can you please introduce yourself to us? <laughs> Thanks. I am Greg Schaefer. Uh, I'm uh, the uh, principal of a consulting firm called VCSO Services here in the United States. We provide uh, virtual chief information security officer consulting and information security risk management consulting for uh, small mid-sized businesses. Been doing that now for about six years. Uh, my experience, uh, just very briefly, I've been in IT and information security since uh, the late 80s. Uh, so I've been doing this for quite some time and in various also chief information security officer roles, including uh, a university, a bank, and uh, and the city of Nashville, Tennessee. I was their first CISO back uh, 10, 12 years ago, something like that. But then I pivoted and became cybersecurity consultant. It's really my drive to help with uh, small and mid-sized businesses. Um, I should also mention too that um, I am a host also of a podcast called The Virtual CISO Moment, where we do the same thing where we talk with uh, cybersecurity pros every week. Um, every Tuesday, we drop a new episode. So uh, it's a lot of fun. And I'm happy to be here. It's it's nice to be on the other side of the questions for once. Good, good. Thank you for being with us today, Greg. My first question to you. So you've been a CISO for, a, for a, quite some time. Yeah, and... I'm an old guy. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I try to focus on in my podcast usually is not talking to technical people, but also talk to, you know, the other side of the business, the, the decision makers, the stakeholders. So the first question I want to ask you from your experience, like how in a simple way you can, you know, explain the term of cybersecurity or information security to someone who is, might not be very much technical. Well, that's, I think, one of the most difficult things of being a CISO. Um, and I think a lot of people don't master it because really it's our responsibility to learn the business, learn the business language. So you can't go in there. Nobody at the board or the C-suites, none of them are going to care about like how many threats that you had, how many, how many threats did your firewall block, for example? It's like, if that was a thousand or a hundred thousand, what does that mean? It's like, you're giving them the what but not the so what. Tell me what this means to the business. And the only way you can do that is that you have to have a responsibility of learning the business first. So whatever vertical you're in, whatever whatever the business does, if it produces little widgets or if it's a service-oriented business or what have you, the security officer needs to understand the business first because then from there, now they can speak the language of the business leaders. And that's really the key there. So when you're talking about threats, okay, Firewall blocked 10,000 things last year. Well, okay, what does that mean to the business? Well, we've noticed an uptick in attacks, actually, because our threat intel tells us that we're getting more and more uh, intrusions from X area of the world that we think is related to this service that we just implemented because that now has some information that folks might want to try to exfiltrate. You see, you see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a, it's a very simple example of tying together a technical aspect which 
they don't care about the board, the C-suite, with what the board and the C-suite does uh, care about. And there's no simple way to really do that outside of, look, that's one of the reasons why CISOs get paid a lot of money is because it's not just understanding the technical stuff. It's understanding yeah. the soft skills and the business stuff. Yeah, that's cool. And from also your experience and because you've done it as a customer and now you're doing it as a consulting um, perspective, what do you think are the major challenges that CISOs nowadays are facing? Like what, what What's the letting them stay awake at night, I would say? Well, you know, one of the issues I think we have in an industry is that it seems like that we've learned as a CISO to go into a job, figure out one big thing to help fix it, implement that thing, and then move on. The The average tenure of a CISO in, in, a, in a position is short. I think, I don't know an exact number, there have been studies and all that, but 18 to 24 months. And and it and it takes time to just learn the business, and I, I think that the big biggest challenge that a CISO has is don't don't go in trying to fix something right out the gate, and 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 sometimes that's sort of um, anti what they're being asked to do because a lot of times when a business goes out and hires a new CISO, it's because either they had a breach and they didn't have a CISO before, or they had a breach and the previous CISO was um, either left or was asked nicely to leave. So um, I think that the challenge there is to approach a position with longevity. If, if you, you want to be there for some time, you want to help make a difference and really get in because uh, it, without getting into and understanding the business, I'm kind of going back to what I was saying beforehand, you can't really be effective. You cannot just buy a tool, put it in and say, this is going to solve all of our problems. Trust me, I'm a CISO. And unfortunately, I think that the CISO mindset isn't quite there yet for a lot of chief information security officers. I think that they're, they're of the mindset, I'll go in, I'll try to fix, and then I'll leave. And, and, and therefore make more money as you go up the, the chain, as you continue to leave. And I don't think that that does the security industry a service at all. And it doesn't help with the businesses. We're trying to solve a problem. And I don't think that that approach is the right way to solve a problem. Yeah, I agree with you. And from, because I'm talking too much about the challenges, because I know it's not an easy job uh, talking to also from my perspective to customers. So what are the main challenges that they need really to face and try to solve on whether daily basis or on the long run? What, what do you think are the major challenges for CISOs today? Well, you know, this is kind of one that's been around for a while. And unfortunately, I think it's still here is uh, um, the, the friction sometimes between information security and information technology. Uh, if you have someone leading information technology who is a very uh, strong-willed person that can get very defensive, they're less apt to accept uh, what the CISO might be saying. And, and conversely, the CISO shouldn't be telling the CIO what you have to do. They should be working collaboratively. They should be working together to figure out um, what the best technical controls are. Because uh, information security is not just about technical controls. I get that. But it is such a huge component. 
And if a CISO walks into a position and there's that immediate friction with information technology to begin with, then, then you almost lose the battle, if you will. And you can extend that really to any part within the organization. Um, sometimes like the CFO will look at security as a cost center. It's like, what are you really adding to the business here? You're just asking for a lot of money and I don't see any results. And so one, one way to get around that is to show value by doing quantitative risk analysis, like using a, a methodology like FAIR, the factor analysis of information risk. And by doing that, you know, it all kind of ties back to people seeing that you are not just focused on the technical aspects of blocking stuff and security, but you're actually trying to promote the business growth. And you're going through all the process of understanding. It's like, so you go to the CFO, it's like, I understand that, look, $200,000 for this tool for a year is a lot, but our cost exposure without the tool is $500,000. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense then to buy that tool to spend that money. That's really informative. Another question that came to my mind, and this is something I see it on a daily basis sometimes as well. So when we talk about large enterprises, these guys, they have enough budgets, enough consultants to do the stuff that they do. But sometimes, and I'm sure if you have seen it also yourself, when we talk about like the smaller enterprises, so sometimes we see, you know, this question comes up. Why do I need this? Should I do cybersecurity, you know, countermeasures? What's your, and you know, and sometimes people, they don't get really the risk behind it. So, so usually how, or what do you advise owners of small businesses or like, let's say medium size uh, enterprises? What's their, your advice to them? Well, I think that they should look into a virtual CISO service uh, uh, firm or provider. And, and I don't mean to make this a commercial, but um, you know, we're one, vcsoservices.com is our website. But what a virtual CISO can do in that case is provide that sort of leadership and guidance and experience to, to inform them of the, what they pragmatically would need to do. Because one of the better aspects of a good virtual CISO is that they understand, look, you don't have unlimited budget and that's good. I, I get back to the, to the other CISO challenge where it always seems like, oh, let's just big, buy this big tool and put it in and see if it works. You'll never have that with the small and mid-sized businesses, and you really got to be good about understanding their business. So you, you look for a virtual CISO that understands risk management and is not as so much a technical virtual CISO. Um, it's, a, it's a very crowded field in some ways right now because there's a lot of folks that are providing what um, one person on my podcast when I asked the question, well, what's a significant threat for small and mid-sized businesses? He came back with what I think is one of the best answers. He said, bad advice. And he's right, because if you, if you contract with someone or you bring in a firm to help you build your security program and they're providing you advice that is substandard, you've not only not moved forward, but you could very well have moved backward right. and spent a lot of money in the process. So. Um, I'm not saying that small and mid-sized businesses need a virtual CISO per se. That's one avenue. Um, it's certainly a very cost-effective avenue because you're getting the experience of folks like me who have actually done this in the uh, full time for many, many years. But 
whatever you do, A, do something, and B, research and make sure that you're not going down the wrong path. However way you need to get there, that would be my, my suggestion. Cool. And another point uh, I want to ask you about, and you, you touched on it, but just to re-emphasize on it, is about, because when we talk about IT in general, we talk about total cost of ownership, ROI, and sometimes in cybersecurity, it's not that straightforward. So what's your advice for you know people who really understand that, yes, this is something that we need to implement, whatever the technology is, but from cost perspective, we cannot show it, right? So it's not like we're replacing some hardware with something new, you know, we're reducing the cost. So what's your advice to, to you know, like decision makers, I would say, to justify that to the, to the business? Well, I think you need to have some sort of a methodology for determining um, the cost of a particular risk. So it can be as simple as you do your risk assessment. This is one of the basics of um, an information security program. You do a risk assessment, you look at your inherent risk, and you can also add a cost um, estimate to that. You can do it as simple as like three basic levels. It's like, low cost if this risk is is met, if this risk actually occurs, medium cost and high cost. And you can assign like some range of numbers there. And then you get a little bit of a better idea of like, okay, well, um, business email compromise for an organization that does a lot of wires, for example, and you don't have good email controls in place, you don't have two-factor authentication in place for that. Okay, that's a big risk for businesses that wire money all the time. And if they don't have two-factor, which is a relatively small cost of implementation, um, you can easily see that the cost to fix that, if you will, is a lot less than the cost exposure. That's the key word here is cost exposure. Now, I mentioned FAIR beforehand. That's going a little bit more um, structured, if you will. I, I've, the, the, the bad thing about risk assessments, qualitative risk assessments, is that it's basically a... a graphical or a spreadsheet representation of a subject matter expert's opinion. That's all it is. It's very subjective. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not rooted in a, in a methodology. Now, if you go to something like FAIR, at the very least, you're, you're taking a lot of elements of a quantitative, of whether a qualitative risk assessment, and you're adding some quantitative elements to it. So you can then look at what is my uh, cost exposure for something? I'm not going to go through the fair um, taxonomy at this point. I mean, it can get, you can go very deep into this. It's a lot of fun sometimes. Um, but whether you do that or you do just a very high level qualitative risk assessment with some basic ranges of costs associated, if that risk is realized, you have to have some way, because again, the business owners aren't, they don't understand. They'll, they'll understand what is the cost, what is the risk if we do not implement a particular service, for example, okay? So, so in business terms, you have the cost of implementing a service, like you want to offer um, a new, um, you want to offer penetration testing if you're a security firm, for example. Okay, so that's a good thing. You're going to have like revenue come in, but it's going to cost money to get the tools to do penetration testing. It's going to cost money to, to secure the assets, the personnel that have the, uh, the, the uh, uh, skill set to do that. But, so you have the cost associated, but, the, but you can 
you can definitely have a higher revenue stream coming in. So that risk is like a risk of opportunity. Now, business leaders understand the risk of opportunity, opportunity risk. is like, what happens if we don't do anything? We lose the opportunity to increase our revenue. So if you speak in that language, it's like, you, it's it's all the same thing. It all comes down to cost exposure and 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 where it makes sense to spend the company's money. Yeah, that I agree with you. Like uh, it's always like cost of doing nothing, as I call it. Versus, yes, yeah. And the cost of doing nothing, it's particularly in security, can be huge. It's like you know, you had people uh, uh, not too long ago who. Um, didn't have firewalls up on their little small networks and the cost of doing nothing for folks that didn't have firewalls. Well, that was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I, it, you know that, was, that was some years ago. I, I think if, if you're a small business out there right now and you have a little network and you don't have a firewall and you're, I, I'm sorry, uh, get a firewall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, get the firewall or you will be wiped out of business. Wiped out, right? Yeah, right? So, exactly. Yeah, and I've, I've seen a lot of... Um, something that came to the wire and where businesses were hit by malware or so and it was done game over for them so they they yeah out. yeah so i've seen many times mm-hmm. before the last question i have a question that just came to my mind and i think you follow on the new trends of technology and this is something that also i i do in the podcast so now everyone is talking about ai and the use of ai in cybersecurity. Yeah. personally i've seen some articles some of them they were scary <laughs> but how do you see the evolution of ai from both sides i mean from the offensive side of it i mean from cyber threat actors and from the good people, the CISOs, and everyone who is on, on, on the good side, I would say. Well, I think the first thing we have to real, realize is that AI, chat, GPT, and those sorts of things, that they're, they're just tools when all is said and done. And, and they're good tools. And uh, just like tools, they can be used or they can be abused. Um, I think one of the risks, at least on the good side, is too much reliance on it. I, I see folks that are using um chat uh, gpt to to like say write their uh policies write their marketing and all of that and there's there's a good component to that because you can do that to give yourself a good baseline but there's the danger of relying too much on technology and you start to lose your own abilities to do this sort of stuff to be able to defend against folks and this and that because ultimately um, artificial intelligence is just that it's artificial and you don't have the the inputs at least today or the gut feeling about sometimes it's that gut feeling about something just doesn't feel right here you can't get that with ai you, you just you don't, i don't think you ever will um for the bad guys unfortunately this is making things a little bit easier for them it's uh but but we've been down this road before. If, you know the term script kiddies, right? Yes. So so before script kiddies, um, information security, cybersecurity was a lot about folks that really knew what they were doing and they were weaving their way in and so forth. But then sometimes they started to package these things in, in scripts. And then you could have someone who has no experience whatsoever take a script and just run it against things. And AI is kind of the same way there. It's like you're going to have people that don't really have that fundamental knowledge that are going to try to use this to run it. Are they going to be able to do more bad stuff with it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But but 
it has the same effect on them as well, where they're not really promoting their own skills and, you know, their skills will atrophy. And um, so it's interesting to see where AI is. I think that, I think it's overhyped right now. Um, it's a good tool, but it's a tool, just like any other tool, screwdriver, a pen, what have you. Um, it's, 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 it's wonderful. It's going to be here forever, just like computers. I mean, computers, you know, we didn't have computers 50 years ago, you know, in our pockets, we didn't have smartphones like 20 years ago in our pockets. The most powerful computer right here, you know, uh, is more powerful than everything that NASA used to land on the moon back 50 odd years ago. And so, so, but we haven't destroyed ourselves because of technology. We won't destroy ourselves with AI, but, um, it's going to be an interesting story to watch over the next couple of years. I'll give you that. Yeah, I I have to agree as well. And just on the point that the script kitty stuff. So, you know, that there are some people who offer that as a service. So, for example, ransomware as a service. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah so, and, so, and, 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 and here you can have like almost like AI ransomware as a service. And mm-hmm. and and the bad guys are are after one thing. They're not after your information. They're after money. I mean, when all is said and done, it's all about money. And and if they can monetize AI, they will. Exactly. I agree with you. And the other thing, what I'm expecting is to see a little bit of AI fighting AI, maybe. But as you said, said, because it's, they are just tools, right? So I believe still the human factor will be playing the biggest role in in, in that. So So if you add AI into like drones and droids, you're going to have like, you know, almost this sci-fi issue of like having uh, droids, like, you know, like those robotic dogs that you see people are developing. You're going to have dogs fighting each other and and then drones with AI coming in and fighting and this and that. And it's a, uh, I don't know, that that sounds a little scary. Maybe maybe I've watched too much sci-fi. I don't know. Uh, for me, as long as like AI doesn't have like the, it's not conscious, I would say that's, I'm fine because Actually, one of the episodes I discussed that for the time being, you can take some guidelines from ChatGPT, for example, if you want to do a pen testing, but Mm -hmm. actually it will not help you doing the pen testing because it lives in the past. It's up to 2021, as we know. So it's not aware about the new vulnerabilities. It's not aware of what's happening, you know, around. It cannot actually go and do a DNS check, for example, right? So mm-hmm. I'm going a little bit technical, but <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, but I, yeah, I agree with you. Now, the last thing I want to ask you, I've, every report, every, you know, trend article I read, I see that there is shortage in cybersecurity skills. And People hesitate sometimes. Should we go and study cybersecurity? Should we go to this? And for someone who's very experienced like you, like what's your advice that you can give for someone who is really interested in cybersecurity um, and your all overview on, on the shortage in, in the market today? Well, I think part of this can be applied to just about any industry. I think the first thing that you need to ask yourself and this at any stage in your career too is why do I want to do this? Um, what what am I? What's driving me towards cybersecurity? Um, is it is it the the money? Is it the glory, if you will? Is it the um, challenge of trying to um, show that there are vulnerabilities? Is it the challenge of trying to protect against vulnerabilities? Um, 
I think that there, there's so much out there in cyber right now that people get really lost and and they tend to be all over the place. Because if you figure out your why, then you can start to figure out your the the actual discipline within cyber that you want to do. Because cybersecurity has become like the medical field. You have your general practitioners who know a lot of stuff, but not very deep. And then you have all your specialists along the way. I mean, I don't want a dentist working on my heart. I don't want a cardiologist pulling my wisdom teeth. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, do you want to um, be a surgeon and actually work on a heart? Do you want to pull people's teeth? Do you want to do mental health? Those are disciplines within the medical field that you have to figure out your why and what's interested to you. And I think that people don't understand that fully within cyber yet. They're like, okay, there's, there's just, um, um, there, it's such a broad field that, that I just want to be in cyber. So figure out your why, then figure out your discipline, and then talk to people. Talk to people who have gone down that path. Again, like podcasts, you're doing the podcast I'm doing. Part of the reason why I do my podcast, I share stories with people who have gone down those paths and made those decisions. Some of them become more technical. Some of them become CISOs. Some of them are in GRC. And, 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 but just talk to people. Uh, and, and, but don't follow my path because cybersecurity didn't exist uh, back in the dark ages. I mean, you know, I, again, I started in 1989 and uh, we didn't even have twisted pair ethernet at the time. So yeah, um, that would be my advice. That's great. And actually, it's very logical, I would say. It's not only for choosing a career. It's quite for everything in life. You need to start with why. I'm a huge believer in this, as per uh, Simon Sinek. Um, really, Greg, I appreciated the chat today. Uh, I highly advise my audience to tune in. Can you remind us about your podcast name and where they can find more about uh, yourself and your services greg so the podcast um you can go to any podcast platform it's called the virtual CISO moment and I'll put the link. we're also i appreciate that uh we're also on youtube um youtube slash at the CISO. and our um company page where you can learn more about us is vcsoservices.com vciso services.com we'd love to have you and if you have any questions that i can answer you know, contact me through there. You can also contact me on LinkedIn. I'm very easy to find. Great. I will add you first also. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was a very like interactive, very, I would say informative session with you, Greg. I highly appreciate your time today. For my audience, I hope that you like this format. It's my first time I'm having guests. I promise you that I'm bringing some cool guests and I hope that you found this episode very informative stay tuned with another guest in the very soon and i would see you again in the next episode of the cto show with mehmet bye bye